What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere to lead the pack. At Augusta, he's on his final hole. He's about 455 yards away. He's going to hit about a two iron, I think. We got all of that. The crowd is standing on its feet here at Augusta. The normally reserved Augusta crowd going wild. For this young Cinderella, who's come out of nowhere, he's got about 350 yards left. He's going to hit about a five iron, it looks like, don't you think? He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left, and he's going to... Looks like he's got about an eight iron. This crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! This is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. The Cutline, a podcast unlike any other. Look, when you win the Masters, Green Jacket, when you're crushing a GPP, the color green. And then the color of money? Coincidence? I think not. The Masters Tournament is finally here, and the cut line is excited to break it all down. This is our favorite major here at the cut line. We are going to give you an in-depth analysis of this year's DK player pool like you've never heard before. Hello, Canada. Hello, USA. Hello, UK. Hello, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, Lithuania, Germany, Belgium. You name the country and the cut line is there. Now, state-wise, Indiana, not too keen on you guys. Forget you, Indiana. It's time to go home there, ball. Son of a bitch, Paul, why didn't you just go home? That's your home! Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Suck my white ass, Paul! We kid, we joke, we kid. This week's top city goes to Painted Post New York. What the hell is that? What the hell is that? What's that dang thing doing here? How did that get here? What the hell is that? What the hell is that? How did that dang deal get here? Hey, come over here and look at this deal. What the hell is that? <laughs> I don't know what the hell that is. What in the hell is that? Hey, you kid, get away from there. 
Don't not mess with that thing. Don't put your lips on it. <laughs> what the hell is this? What the hell is that? <laughs> All right, so the cut line is dedicated to providing its listeners with a show that is unique and in-depth for the DFS community. But we'd love it if you would just subscribe to any which way that you listen to our show and give us a five-star review. This will keep you in the loop of any changes or future shows that The Cut Line produces. In addition, if you get sick of us, just unsubscribe. It's simple to do. Clip the subscribe button and smash the like button. Five stars, any type of stars. Love the reviews, love the comments. Anyways, subscribe. It's easy to do. I'm your host, Michael Cavalunas, at Lunas on Twitter, L-I-U-N-A-S, and I am incredibly, deeply excited for the Masters to begin. I, I'm I'm so anxious, I've already started building lineups, which I know are going to change come Wednesday night, but I don't care. I'm pumped. This is Augusta National, the Masters, probably the favorite major on the most historic cars in, in golf. But we do have a few rule changes due to the lack of daylight. No more within the 10 strokes of the leader. It's just top 50 in ties. And that's going to produce your cut line for this week's DFS tournament. Look, 93 golfers, 50 spots. It's still going to be high 6 of 6 rate, guys, right? But so what? All right, but before we move on, we got to look at uh, the good, bad, and the ugly from last week's Houston. Ugh, the good. I I'm going to say nothing really came out of that. You needed the nuts and the six of six just because the scoring was so low and, and DraftKings scoring didn't help you. I had two six of six lineups that didn't even cash just because of my build strategy last week. Um, the bad, the bad's going to be the course. The course setup just wasn't prepared for the golfers. I don't think a lot of them were really necessarily focused on scoring. Everyone was preparing for this week. And then the course was so challenging for some of the lesser golfers that they just couldn't do well either. And then, of course, my ugly, the decision to fade the 10K guys. I mean, let's face it, the chalk hit, guys. The chalk hit. It was like the top 15% of chalky guys made the cut this week. And if you were fading that chalk, it bit you in the ass. That's really what it came down to. So, But, hey, we're, we're moving on to Augusta National. Let's break it down. So the cut line is here to bring you in-depth DraftKings analysis of the Masters Tournament. PGA Major, best course ever, and I'm going to do the best I can. Nice beaver. Thank you. I just had it stuffed. Let me help you with that. To give you the best opportunity to cash on Sunday, we'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sun traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And our goal is to make sure that you're not only creating winning lineups, but lineups that are kicking ass and taking names and getting six of six with everyone's favorite through the cut line. Look, on Wednesday night when I need leverage, I need to know who to play, especially this week with only 93 golfers. I'm going to go to Fanshare Sports at FanshareSports.com. Why? They most definitely have the best ownership projections in the industry. Look, leverage is not something you belittle, especially here in this major. It's going to be tough. Why do I trust Fanshare Sports? Because I'm the guy who does the ownership projections for Fanshare Sports. So, easy fix. Go to FanshareSports.com, fill out all your information, and in the discount code, write the word CUTLINE, and you'll get 20% off your monthly membership. I stress this every week. 
that ownership is your perfect leverage opportunity. It is. Of course, quick shout out and special thanks to PGA and Fantasy National for all the stats they provide and for PGA DFS enthusiasts. If you aren't using those stats, guys, you are missing the green, missing out on strong correlated lineups. Uh, this is the first major of the 2021 season, and I am so excited. From Tiger's incredible win in 97, Phil's win in 24, who could forget Tiger's chip in 2005, and then the hook that was more crooked than a question mark from Bubba Watson, and of course last year, Tiger Woods regaining Masters Championship form. We love Tiger at the Augusta, right? But there always seems to be something amazing that comes out of every Masters tournament. Every Masters tournament. Past winners in this field include Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Bubba Watson, Adam Scott, Patrick Reed, Jordan Spieth, and Zach Johnson, of course. You've got some old guys in there that you just shouldn't roster. Needless to say, it's an amazing field, an incredibly difficult field to dissect, and you are going to have to make some hard choices. But there's a lot of golf to be played this weekend. So, Augusta National Golf Club in Augusta, Georgia. 7,400 yards, a par 72 with bent grass greens. So, the rough is not as penal as many people believe on most golf courses and that's a great advantage here because off the tee stats do not matter yet many people are stressing due to the wet conditions this weekend that driving distance is pivotal but i will say this augusta typically ranks in the top 10 of hardest courses on tour and your positional approach shots are key due to the 41 bunkers six water hazards which makes having knowledge course history here extremely important. We've seen a lot of correlation with people who've played here a lot. Typically, I would avoid any first-time players playing here, as history has shown us that only three golfers have won the green jacket since the event started, and it's their first time. That was once in 1934, the inaugural tournament, 1935, and then the last time, 1979. It's going to be difficult to do, though, with this field. So we have four par threes, 10 par fives, and four par fives, sorry, 10 par fours. And the all par fives are eagle worthy. So we have a POA bent grass, um, <clears throat> kind of fairways and greens. And then of course your average green size is 6,400 square feet. The rough is gonna be minimal, about an inch and a half, two inches of ryegrass. So it, it, it's, it's, and you also have the secondary cut. One key thing I wanna po uh, point out, you don't need sub three, sub five percent ownership guys here. Typically, your millie makers don't really have anyone in their winning lineups that are sub three percent. Basically, you're not hunting here. You're playing the best plays. And though it might seem chalky, you'll be surprised come Wednesday night how ownership shakes out. So my key stats, scrambling, three put avoidance, strokes gain around the green, strokes gain total, birdie or better percentage in driving distance i still am going to add that stat in all right let's go break this bad boy down these two putts from victory only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there boys that's birdie all day long so this takes us to our birdie or better segment 
where I take all our players from the 11k range down through the 10 to the 9 to the 8 down to the 7k range tell you about my favorite plays from each tier of golfer to give you a leg up on this weekend and we are just going in for a deep dive so first of all this top range is loaded you have the shambo justin thomas john rom rory mcelroy and dustin johnson from 11 2 down to 10,000. i'm going to say this i do have my favorite plays in this range but every player is viable to win every player is an elite form of athlete here for the masters tournament this is a major and all five of these guys can win the question is from lineup construction standpoint all right we're going to start with bryson DeChambeau. we know about the driver with bryson my confidence model ranks number five and my overall stat model ranks number six in just overall he's top 10 top 20 in everything historically he's played okay at the masters 29th in 2019, 38th in 2018, 21st in 2016. The thing is, is that Bryson has never been priced this high for this major tournament. Obviously, coming off the win at the U.S. Open, it was incredibly impressive. The driver is just so unique that we are going to have double eagle opportunities for Bryson on these par fives. You just need to face those facts. The thing with Bryson is if you roster him, with someone in this top tier range, like a stars and scrubs type deal, you're going down to that 7,200, 7,100 range. And are there guides down there that you want to pair with Bryson that you feel can top 10? The six of six historically is very, very high for DFS tournaments at the Masters simply because of the amount of golfers available and the amount that make the cut. So you guys need to be realistic here in your lineup builds with Bryson. How do you get contrarian? How do you build lineups that are not going to be similar to, to, to others? And this is where ownership is going to play a big part, right? A lot of people are going to go to John Rahm, currently looking at 20%. A lot of people are going to go to Dustin Johnson. I think Dustin Johnson's price point at $10,000 is going to make him the chalk donkey of this tournament. So the point being that if you go that route with that Stars and Scrubs, you're going to down to guys like Poulter, Kokrak. Cam Champ, Kisner, Horschel, Westwood, all these guys. And some of them are getting highly touted, don't get me wrong. But the question you need to ask yourself from a DFS standpoint, remember, can you build a strong enough lineup there that's going to create an opportunity to win? I'm not sure you can. When I'm rostering DeChambeau this week, he's a loner in this top tier. I will go straight down in the 9K range and below to try to build strong lineups that way. I want better golfers with DeChambeau. And just the way to do it, the simplest way to do it, is you can't do stars and scrubs. I don't think it's a successful way to be gaining positive EV and, and winning GPPs here at the Masters Tournament. The best golf comes from the best golfers, typically at Augusta. And it's hard to do with stars and scrubs. So one guy who's getting touted all over the industry is Justin Thomas. I think by, the, by Wednesday... His ownership is going to shake out a lot higher. Right now, I'm at 16%. I think, though, come Wednesday night, we're going to be in the 20s, and he could potentially overtake DJ as the winner. You look at the Justin Thomas, like, his game fits this course. The issue is is that he he's never top 10 here, right? His best finish was a 12th place finish last year, and he showed, you know, promise of, of being successful. But 
he wins these tournaments where there's like a lower player field, right? The 93 players in this field is, is advantageous to him. It's actually 92 because Garcia, uh, Sergio and uh, Neiman are out due to COVID. If JT's ownership gets that high, it's going to be a fade for me. It, it just is. It's not that I don't like JT's game. It's just that when you look at the course history, we know how well it correlates. And I'm not saying he's not an elite play, but he doesn't fit the criteria that I'm looking for when compared to the other golfers. Bryson, kind of the same way if we're looking simply at course history. But the fact is that Bryson's game is different, and we just saw him win a major. So there, there's no doubt in my mind that him and his skill set can go go on a streak, just like we saw Brooks Kekla do a couple years ago. But the history of John Rahm, the history of Roy McIlroy, and the history of Dustin Johnson in terms of top 10s and almost winning a Masters, potentially winning Masters, Rory completing his major Grand Slam, it, to me, it makes JT the least appealing in this range. All right, moving on to John Rahm, 10,500. He ranks number one in my confidence model. Okay, so I hope that the JT ownership goes up and the John Rahm ownership goes down. I just don't see it happening because of the price, $10,500. And that's also a reason that Dustin Johnson is going to be so popular is he's $10,000 and he played awesome last week at the Houston Open. My overall stat model, he ranks number two. Okay, he's number two behind Xander. We'll talk to him about when we get to the $9,000 range. He's amazing off the fairway, amazing in approach, and amazing in scoring. If John Rahm gets a hot putter, it's over. Since our comeback from COVID, he's been dominating, okay? And you look at his recent form, and I'm only looking back to the Sanderson. We got two two tournaments, 17th at the CJ Cup, 2nd at the Zozo. These were elite fields. These were no-cut events, and players were prepping for this weekend's tournament, okay? He hits it long enough to dominate the rain, so I'm not too concerned about that. And if he's dialed in with his approach game, he most definitely could go head-to-head with anyone in the field. Going down to Rory McIlroy. The issue with Rory for me is that he's been off, severely off since we've come back from COVID. Now, what's he been doing since, you know, since he took his little hiatus and break? Well, he had a kid. That's kind of a big deal, right? If you don't have a kid, you don't know how much energy it takes. You're up late at night. The kid wakes you up regardless of the fact if someone's coming to take care, you know, take care of that, like your wife. But the thing is, it's a different time in Rory McIlroy's life. I'm not saying he can't compete for the Masters. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying a kid automatically puts him in the spot of like, oh, he's not an elite golfer anymore. Even in in, in the CJ Cup and the Zozo, we saw, you know, 21st in the CJ Cup and 17th at the Zozo. Like, he's looking good. It's just stat-wise. Rory isn't fitting the bill, right? In the last 50 rounds, struggling in approach, 39th in the field. Third in driving distance, which I really like to see, but he just seems to be struggling everywhere else. 38th in strokes gained par 5. 39th in approach. 46th in bogey avoidance in the last 50 rounds. The game isn't there right now. Is Rory McIlroy going to be contrarian? I think so. So if you do want to roster him, you're going with an MME and 150 max, absolutely play Rory McIlroy. But I'm not going to condone him in a single entry unless you're trying to get different. Because right now, ownership's shaking out at about 12%. Depending on what everyone else is talking about this week, that could change. And if it does, 
that is a huge leverage spot with arguably one of the best players in the world. If you decide to 150 max, Roy's in play. There's no doubt in my mind. Three max, you're making some hard decisions here at this top level. And that's kind of where we're at. So DJ comes back from his COVID break. I was, you know, curious to see how he would do. Finishes second place at the Houston Open. Dominates. Masters history, second, tenth, fourth, sixth. Of course, the, the stairs incident, the stairs incident where, where he tripped and couldn't compete. The, the fact is that DJ is an elite play and ownership's going to reflect that. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to fade Dustin Johnson. It just doesn't. He's got as good as opportunity to win as anyone else in this top tier range. And I was curious how to return from COVID. His game's pinpoint. It's accurate. So down to the 9K range. This range is interesting to say the least because you have some first-time players. In addition, you have my favorite player on the board. Xander Shoffley at 9,800 is killing everywhere in my model. He's going to be popular. Don't get me wrong. We're looking upper teens, 17, 18%. Hopefully, he doesn't cross that 20% uh, threshold, which even if he does, I don't mind. I'm going to play him. In my aggregate model, which basically ranks every single model that I create, he's number one. In my overall stats model for Augusta, he's number one. Confidence rank, he's number three. Putting dominates, top 10. Scoring model, fourth. Approach model, fourth. Off the tee, seventh. Masters tournament history, two made cuts. Second place last year, 50th. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say last year. Two years ago in 2019, and then 50th in 2018. Recent form, elite. Second at the CJ Cup, 17th at the Zozo. Been priming his game for a run at a Masters championship. I love X here at 9,800. The next guy I like who is not going to be popular is Brooks Kepka. We all know that when we fade Brooks Kepka at a major, it burns us. Now, I get it. We have the concerns about the knee. Don't get me wrong. I have those concerns. But I talked about the leverage with Rory McIlroy at like 12%. Right now, we're looking at Brooks Kepka at about 11 10%. And that number might even go down as people start doing their lineup constructions and lineup builds. Look, my confidence model, number 12. Overall stat model, number 18. We are concerned about the putter. Don't get me wrong, but if there's one thing in golf that is just fickle and variant, it is putting. And I will take a Brooks Kepka putter getting hot at a major, especially when you look at his history. Second place in 2019, 11th, 21st, and 33rd. I'm getting 11% owned Brooks Kepka multi-major winner at the Masters. At a, at a price reduction, in my opinion, he should be in the 10K range. I don't care about recent form. That's where he should be. This guy just finished fifth at the Houston Open last weekend. Brooks Kepka is in play. It's a hard pill to swallow because you don't know what's going to happen, but he's absolutely in play. So the next guy I wanted to mention is a first-timer. It's Colin Morikawa. He's going to be a fade for me, and I think he's going to be a fade for mostly everyone just because the first time playing the Masters here when you're not even that good of a putter to begin with, questionable at best, suspect at best. Do I expect Morikawa to make the make the cut? Yes, but I'm not anticipating him to be in the top GPP winning lineup. I just don't foresee that happening, okay? Next guy I'm going to mention is Webb Simpson. Now, Webb Simpson is interesting to say this because people are deciding to fade Webb because of the lack of driving distance. And I get that. 
All right, if the rain's there, he's gonna be hitting longer irons, but you also have to remember the course history here. 28th, 29th, 100th, 20th, and 5th. All right, that's the last five years. Webb's an elite play. And if people are going to buy this narrative that he can't play in wet conditions, that he can't score in wet conditions, I'm not going to buy it because we've seen Webb Simpson dominate all types of courses. Webb's in play. I don't care what you guys say. I don't care what others are saying that like, oh, we need to fade him because of like because of driving distance. Fine. Let him birdie all the par fives and let him dominate the par threes because strokes gain total sixth, sixth in the field. Three putt avoidance, 12th in the field. He's the ultimate scrambler, ninth in the field, 15th around the green, and he's avoiding bogeys like crazy, sixth in the field. Of course, the scoring at stroke team is par five. That's what's key here. He's not going to get the rollout. So you are hoping for elite approach play, right? Elite putting. But Webb Simpson has that type of game. Do you need to go overboard on Webb? Absolutely not. But just because other people are saying, oh, I'm not going to play Webb because of the driving distance narrative, and I get that. I totally agree. He doesn't have the distance off the tee. It doesn't mean that he's only hitting it 220 yards, okay? Webb Simpson can carry his driver, and he can easily score on these par fives. The next two guys kind of fit in this weird random boat of good course history, but I don't know if I want to go there. All right, Patrick Reed right now, we're looking at almost 20% ownership, and Patrick Cantlay at about 15% ownership. Their odds are pretty high. In my confidence model, they rank 19th and 11th, respectively. In the overall stat model, 10th and 8th. There are a lot of reasons to play these guys, right? But if you do look at the course history of Cantlay and Reed, first of all, Cantlay, there's not a lot there. You got a miscut his first time playing, and then he finished top 10. With Reed, we know how great of a player he is as he's won this event. But miscut, 49th, 22nd, 36th. There's actually a lot more variance in terms of how bad Reed has been here versus how good he's been here. Don't get me wrong. A win is a win. I get it. But he hasn't been playing a lot of golf lately. In the last few events, only the Zozo. And he got 14th place. Questionable at best, in my opinion. Will I have Reed? It really comes down to my build structure. 150 max, absolutely. But I do need to make ownership pivots somewhere in a three max and a single entry. And I think Reed becomes one of those victims. The last guy I'm going to mention this 9K range is Bubba Watson at 9,000. Right now he's playing elite golf. Some of the best golf I've ever seen Bubba play. One of our concerns, obviously, is Bubba's putter. He's often known as the worst putter on tour. But the fact is that he fits this course. He's able to shape his shots. And he's won this tournament two times. Bubba Watson's an elite play. All right. One of my favorite shots, if not my favorite shots of all time, is when Bubba won the Masters, hooking that ball from the straw. I can imagine being able to have the, the stones to pull off that shot. Needless to say, $9,000. I think Bubba's a value here. 12th in 2019, 5th in 2018, missed the cut in 2017. So there is risk here, but we know the win equity is there as well. All right, Bubba Watson's in play. He's going to be popular though, but all these guys in this top range are going to have that popularity. Going down to the 8K range, my favorite play without a doubt from Paul Casey up to Adam Scott is Hideki Matsuyama. 
I often say Decky can't win on tour, and I'm still going to accept that statement, but I absolutely think that Hideki Matsuyama can top five here, and that more than pays off at $8,700 salary, which to me is insane. He ranks top 10 in my confidence model, seventh in my overall stats model, and if you look at his course history here, 32nd, 19th, 11th, 7th, and 5th in the last five years. That's two top 10s. That's insane. He's playing really good golf right now. In his last 50 rounds, he's ninth in the field in approach, fourth in strokes gain around the green, which for Decky is insane, and he's scrambling like crazy. We saw this at the U.S. Open. We saw his success there. Of course, where we're concerned about Hideki Matsuyama is the putting. But again, it's the most variant stat that is out there. And I'm willing to buy Decky at an $8,700 price at a discount price in almost a pivot from chalk Tony Finau. It's not much of a pivot, though. Let me tell you this. I guarantee you Decky's going to get some steam to where he might even outproduce uh, in terms of ownership projections, Tony Finau. Finau's the next guy. We know the course history here. We know the game. We know the scoring that Finau can do. He's an elite play. Don't get me wrong. 8,800, I think, is too cheap for Finau at the Masters. 2019, fifth place, 10. He's got two top 10s here. I mean, that's insane. And the overall stat model, top five, confidence model, top 10. In Lee Aldrich's course suitability metric, he ranks 12th overall. In terms of my course style projections, he ranks number three. Finau is an incredible play. Where we're worried about Finau is, is off the tee. The thing is, though, you can be wayward off the tee here at Augusta and still score, right? That is easily acceptable. You're not, it's not a very penal position to be in the rough. But 23rd in the field in bogey avoidance the last 50 rounds, 14th in approach, and third in strokes part five. That's the key right there. Number three in this field. Adam Scott's master's history is, is, is interesting to say the least. He's not coming in very high in terms of like Vegas odds. He's only 66 to one. And I know Adam Scott's history here is pretty impressive, but recently, not really. 18th, 32nd, 9th, 42nd, and 38th. His ownership is not necessarily a leverage point for me just because I don't think he has that winnability in this weather. Um, 10%. Now, if that number gets down below there, I could see Adam Scott becoming a viable play, but he just hasn't played much since the break. And, and that's an issue for me. Um, recent forms, a, a big, big, big play for these next two guys, and that's Fleetwood and, and, and Matthew Wolf. Um, for whatever reason, Wolf, since the U.S. Open, or the, the Shriners actually, has looked terrible. U.S. Open, he looked great, top, top five. I think he finished second or third. But you look at the Shriners, he finished second. But at the CJ Cup, 73rd, near dead last, if not. And at the Zozo, 50th. Like, something's wrong mechanically with Matthew Wolf's swing. Could he have fixed it over this little break? Absolutely, right? He's he he's a he's not elite at everything, but he does everything very very exceptionally well. The thing with Wolf, he's never been here. I don't trust Matt Wolf's game at Augusta right now with the way he's playing. And you 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 add the fact that he's never been here? No thanks. Not going to take any pieces of Matt Wolf. Fleetwood on the other hand, Another guy who has just been struggling, 57th at the Zozo, 59th at the CJ Cup. You look at Fleetwood, 77th in the field in bogey avoidance, last 50 rounds. Like, he's been really bad. Like, this is not a good Tommy Fleetwood that we've seen. Of course, coming to Augusta, it's just 
its average results for Tommy Fleetwood. He lost in every major statistical strokes gain category in the last two weeks, except for putting at the CJ Cup and around the green at the Zozo. And let's not forget that he missed the cut at the U.S. Open. Now, if you want to buy the Tommy Fleetwood history and how you know he, he was an elite golfer that we're hoping would win someday on tour, I just don't think that Fleetwood's first win on PGA Tour is going to come at Augusta National. So the next two guys in the AK range, Jason Day and Jordan Spieth, I am going to actually say are great plays. Jason Day has been amazing lately. He's been an elite golfer. And if you look at like his finishing positions in terms of tournaments, you know, part of it is due to like injury, right? He had a he he, he had a withdrawal at the Shriners, but he was top 10, but 60th at the Zozo, seventh at the Houston Open last weekend. He's been, in the last five rounds, gaining strokes putting around the game and off the tee. Struggling with the approach game, but I'm okay with that. Uh, um, We've seen the history here for Jason Day at the Masters. So, at 8,400, I think he's in a good leverage spot. He's going to be somewhat owned, right? He's going to be owned at like the 13 14% clip. But with a guy who is 8,400 with two top 10s and three top 20s in the last five years, I think it makes sense to roster some Jason Day. Now... This one's a little bit more controversial. We know how bad Jordan Spieth is. Terrible. Terrible off the tee. I don't. I can't even tell you the elite game that he had, it, it, what's gone on with Jordan Spieth. He missed the cut last week in the Houston Open, right? We have a lot of things to, to decide with. And unfortunately, Jordan Spieth's one of those guys. First of all, last 50 rounds. 50th in the field in strokes game, par 5. 62nd in approach. 33rd in distance, 65th in three-putt avoidance. So he's in the bottom tier. He's not even the top half in the last 50 rounds. In my overall stat model, he ranks 60th. My confidence model ranks 52nd. But when you talk about the course history itself, first, 2015, second, 2016, 11th, 2017, third, 2018, 21st, 2019. I get it. Jordan Spieth's game has been brutal. But how you don't consider him when you're getting 5% ownership is beyond me. All right, you you look at the last time I looked at Vegas odds. Jordan Spieth is 66 to 1. 66 to 1. That's pretty confident. That's higher than Ricky Fowler. That's higher than Paul Casey. Right? His salary is probably appropriately priced. But when guys like Finau and Matsuyama, who are in the 88-87, are getting like 28-1, to 1, Jordan Spieth's not too far behind at $8,200. In terms of like your average course projection, of course Spieth's going to project well. You know, he's won here. He's top 10 here multiple times. He fits this course. So the question is, are you willing to risk Jordan Spieth's recent game, recent form, recent awfulness for the course history? It's a very divisive play. I'm totally in on Spieth this weekend, and I don't need to be leveraging anything, right? In a 150 max, I don't need more than 3% of lineups, 2% of lineups to have Jordan Spieth and feel comfortable with playing him. In a 20 max, one lineup should suffice. Two lineups, tops, right? That gives you 20% of your lineups. You have Jordan Spieth. Three max, probably not. 
Single entry, absolutely not. Okay. So to round out that 8K range, Ricky Fowler, Paul Casey. I do have some interest in Casey, um, especially at 80 to 1. I would love to bet him because uh, he's just getting overlooked. I don't know if I'll end up on him in DFS because at $8,000, right, you could pay down for Louis or Scheffler or Rose or Fitzpatrick, and we're going to go to the 7K guys right now. But um, Paul Casey is one of those coin flips for me, and it's just going to be dependent on lineup builds. But he does imp have impeccable course history. Sixth in 2015, fourth in 2016, sixth in 2017, 15th in 2018. And I think the key thing, though, is that that's going to reduce his ownership has been his like recent play and, of course, the miscut last year. Everyone sees that glaring miscut and their concern. They see the missing cut at the at the Shriners and then like the below average play at the CJ Cup and the Zozo where we saw Casey at four rounds. But the guy could hit the ball, man. Like it's not like his game does not fit this course. We've seen that before. We've seen some very successful Paul Casey at Augusta National. So you really, really, really need to consider him as a leverage spot. And again, we're not we're not we're not bargain bin hunting here. We're looking for leverage spot. And I think Paul Casey could potentially fit that bill. So we're gonna go down in the 7K range. I'm not gonna go over everyone in the 7K range because it's massive, right? But I am gonna mention a couple people. First of all, Phil Mickelson, the days of great Phil are over, and that's sad to say. I loved watching Elite Phil. It was one of my favorite players to watch, especially when Tiger was down. And now his activity on Twitter is phenomenal. Him driving up Magnolia Lane the other day, that was great to watch. The thing is, though, with Phil, it's just done. He misses too many fairways. The touch is gone. What, I mean, what is the likelihood that we get the same magic we got last year from Tiger Woods from Phil Mickelson? And this is a guy who missed the cut at the Houston Open and then was 76th at the Zozo, right? He He's here out of nostalgia. He's enjoying the twilight of his career. So I, I'm a hard pass on Phil Mickelson. So that, that that's just the one thing I want to mention here in this, in this 7K range. Um, going down to the guys who have never played here before, this includes Cam Champ. Answer and Sung JM. In addition to that, um, Jason Kokrak. The only two guys that I have interest in playing who have never played this course before are Cameron Champ and Jason Kokrak. The other guys I do not. First of all, Jason Kokrak right now is top 10 in strokes game total on tour for this year. To me, that's insane. Jason Kokrak, I think, is a big-time sleeper. Hits the ball long off the tee. We always are worried about Kokes in the putting, right? That's something that we're going to worry about. But in my overall stat model, at a guy who's 7,000, he ranks number 9. He cracked the top 10 in my overall stat model. Top 20 in my confidence. Sixth in my aggregate model. And on Lee Aldrich's that you can find on Fanshare Sports, top 30. 31, actually. Looking at Kokrak, last 50 rounds, he's top 20 in every major stat except for where he struggles. We know this, around the green and scrambling. But if his irons are on and he's on point, it's a good opportunity for Kokrak to be successful. The other guy I mentioned was Cameron Champ. Cameron Champ, though, in the last 50 rounds, his game's been off, right? We're looking at, you know, 69th in bogey avoidance. Second in driving distance, so that's where he, he kind of smashes and fits that bill. But... Am I going to go to Cam Champ? I'm not sure if I'm going to if I'm going to land on him, especially considering the fact that on bent grass greens, he's such a terrible putter. But he is someone I would consider in terms of like leverage plays, right? He, he's coming at sub seven percent ownership, 
And similar to those other guys, I, I, I just think his game is tailored more for this course than, say, some, someone like Sung J.M., whose unpredictability has been so frustrating lately. Um, I do like, you know, seeing guys like Abraham Answer have success. His recent form is pretty good, and I would actually buy into Abraham Answer. But then again, not playing at Augusta, it's hard to say that, like, you want to buy into those guys. Luckily, their price point helps you guys out because if they finish top 10 top 15 that more than pays off and that's kind of key looking at answer specifically 35th at the zozo 28th at the cj cup and then a fourth place finish at the shriners so we have seen him play very very well recently and that is positive now louis louis Stusing, scotty scheffler and justin rose and matthew fitzpatrick these are all guys i have interest in louis if you don't get the withdraw 19th, 15th, 41st, 12th, 29th. He's going to be popular. So I get it if you want to fade him, right? But his game fits here. He always competes in these big, large, tough field events. 39th in my approach model, 33rd in my scoring model, 46th in my putting model, 30th in my overall stat model. But I think those numbers are kind of skewed, right? Because if you get Louis in like a bad field, he tends not to show up or he'll withdraw. And those numbers kind of get skewed in the wrong direction. But the course history is there, so that's a positive. Scotty Scheffler has never played here before, and he fits that bill as well. Now, if you are going to roster him, you're hoping that the Scotty Scheffler that shows up is the one that's putting well. Because if he doesn't, it's a missed cut. I'm telling you that right now. If Scheffler's missing putts, easy putts, baby putts, it's going to be a problem. And we know how that can occur at Augusta National. Going down to Rose. Rose is going to be low-owned, and I get it. He's been bad. I'm thinking sub-10%. But this is impeccable course history. The missed cut is going to throw people off last year, and plus his recent form is going to throw people off, right? He has not looked good since the return. He's not looked good since he fired his swing coach and became his own swing coach, right? We haven't seen that, like, consistent, successful Justin Rose at the Zozo, where he finished 17th. He lost strokes around the green on approach and gained nothing tee to green. At the CJ Cup, 52nd. Lost strokes everywhere except approach. At the U.S. Open, lost strokes everywhere except putting and around the green and off the tee. Yet at the 25th at the Northern Trust, he gained strokes everywhere except around the green and putting. Needless to say, Justin Rose's game right now is volatile. And that's what you're going to look for in a GPP. You want that guy who has the top 10 potential, especially at $7,700, who fits this course who ranks top 30, who's kind of hidden in this field because people have their own personal biases against him. The next guy I want to mention, and I wish he was coming in lower owned, and unfortunately I think that ownership's going to boost, is Matthew Fitzpatrick. And I'm going to say this, if Fitzy's ownership gets above 20%, it's a hard fade for me. Um, it's not that I don't think he can be successful. I'm just going to want to leverage somewhere else here in this 7K range. Ranks 16th in my confidence model, 11th in my aggregate model. Um, the course fits Fitzpatrick, right? He's 11th in bogey avoidance on, in the last 50 rounds, 10th in strokes gate total, top 40 in three-point avoidance, and, he, and he's a scrambler, right? He's not looking to, like, dominate these courses, but he's great on par fives. 12th in the field on strokes gate par fives. So hopefully people don't buy into this Fitzpatrick hype and they go elsewhere. Now the next guy, I don't know how much you're going to want of Shane Lowry because you look at the course history, it's bad. Three missed cuts and a 39th place finish. 
but it's going to be wet conditions, right? He's played here now four times with three missed cuts. So odds on would say don't play Shane Lowry. The issue is all these stats pop. 23rd in the last 50 rounds, strokes gained T to green. Fifth in strokes gained par five. Okay. 18th in scrambling. 28th in bogey avoidance. Here's the kicker, right? And this is the big deal for the Masters. He's 92nd, dead last in three putt avoidance. So if you think Sugar Shane Lowry, his putter is going to get hot, scorching hot, buy in. Buy in. He needs to make the cut. He can score. He's great on par fives. Plays that Euro Tour ball. It's got to be wet. Might be cold in the mornings. Buy in. 11th at the Houston Open. It's a risky play. Sub 7% ownership. I think I'm in. Gary Woodland's a fade. Injured. Don't do it. But going down to uh, Lee Westwood. Um, he's probably going to be the last guy I mentioned here. Him and K- Kisner. Um, Westwood, he looks good so far. I, I think he's he's not a diamond in the rough anymore. He's, he's not a sleeper. A lot of people are talking about playing him. 46th in 2015, 2nd in 2016, 18th in 2017. He looks solid off the fairway in approach and scoring. I like Lee Westwood here. I get it if you want to fill him in in the lineups at the end. Of course, Kisner. Kisner, I think, is a, is a nice play at, at 7,100, almost like as, as like a pivot play. Um, he is going to get some 10% ownership, but like I said, 10% at the Masters isn't chalky, right? And this guy ranks 44th in my overall stat model, but 24th in my approach. You look at his Masters history, hasn't missed a cut. 21st, 28th, 43rd, and 37th. If he can top 20 at $7,100, that's a bargain. That's a steal. Kids is in play. 14th the Zozo. I wish he played last weekend so we'd have like a more updated view of his form. That's all right. You can't win them all. All right. That's the breakdown, man. That's the 11K down to the 7K, and let's let's get to it. Who can't you play? No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. 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 Hell no. Can't do it. So this is the Cutline's signature segment, Can't Do It won't do it where typically we take the double digit owned plays who we can't play who we're gonna fade but this week we're doing it a little bit different i think there are a lot of double digit ownership plays that you could fade that you could play it's just a matter of choice and preference and i don't think there's a wrong or right answer but what i do believe is a can't do it is a can't play is the pick-in-place salary option for this weekend's tournament. There are only 93 golfers. A majority of people are going to just do pick-and-play, right? They're going to pick their favorite guys, they're going to play them, and that's how they're going to create their lineups. And I get that. That's how you traditionally build your golf lineups unless there's a weather factor. But what I'm going to do is I'm grouping them by skill position, by tee times, by morning afternoon waves looking at the weather especially on wednesday if there's an advantage somewhere for scoring and for making cuts that's what i'm looking for so when you're building your groups you're potentially looking for a group of your best approach players 
So you look for the approach model and you build your lineups with those guys. You look at the top 10 in that category. I cannot just pick and play my, my, my lineups this weekend. You need to diversify somehow. You need to avoid duplicate lineups. The easiest way to do it is by using these stats, using these, these metrics that we have available on PJTour.com, if you're a member of Fanshare Sports, if you're a member of Fantasy National, and grouping these players based on the stats that you're valuing. That, to me, is key this weekend. Because if you nail a correlated stat for this weekend's tournament, and let's say four or five of those guys, top five, top ten, you're winning big money for the Masters Championship. So your standard pick-and-place salary option fill lineup build can't do it. Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut. Miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut. Miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. (laughs) A monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. So this takes us to the MG, the monsters in guarantee, which are now one in the same. These MGs are going to make the cut and finish in the top 25, and they are below $7,000 on DraftKings. So simply said, we have two MGs this week, and the first one being Corey Connors. Corey Connors missed the cut in 2015, and then in 2019, finished 46th. You look at his recent form, 24th at the Houston Open, 8th at the Zozo, and 61st at the CJ Cup. Before that, 17th at Sanderson Farms. Looking at his ownership, it is going to be double-digit ownership, but this is the one tournament where I'll be able to eat that double-digit ownership. My confidence model ranks 23rd. Aggregate model, 15th. In my overall stat model, ranks number 15 as well looking at him on fantasy national Corey connors 11th t to green 29th strokes gain uh par 5 13th in approach of course where he's struggling with scrambling and three putt avoidance but you know there's nothing that's really safe down here in this 6k range there's a reason they are priced the way they are the next mg that i'm going to mention is c Wu kim who surprisingly is getting high ownership considering he just missed the cut at the Houston Open. I was really hoping that would knock his ownership down, but the fact is the course history is hard to ignore. First time playing here, he missed the cut, but then two top 25 finishes with a 24th and 21st. So the opportunity here for success is viable. It is absolutely viable. Now, if you want risk and you want a tasty tantalizing play that I am going to play, but I just couldn't make it an MG because I didn't want to mislead you. But that's Molinari, okay? 15th at the Houston Open. He played really, really well. He did. Let's face the facts. And we are suspect of when he was ever going to return to form. You look at his Masters history. 33rd in his first time there. 20th and 5th. 33rd, 20th, and 5th. The key thing here, his ownership is still way down. Molinari is a sneaky high upside play that I would even bet top five, top 10 
considering his history, and you're getting him right now at, I think, 100-1 to 1 odds to win the tournament. So Molinari's in play. Other 6K guys I have interest in, Eric Van Ruin, Zach Johnson, Sebastian Munoz, and Lanto Griffin. Um, issue with some of these guys is they have not had any Masters experience. Like Munoz has never played here. Um, you look at EVR, he's never played here either. Um, so th- there are some concerns. If you do want to take some risk, you could go to like Matt Wallace, who missed the cut his first time here. So now that he has some experience. The thing is, he's $6,800. Really doesn't fit the course necessarily, but he's a play. Um, I do believe that your chalk donkey for this course, though, in this range anyway, is Sebastian Munoz. A lot of people like his game for this course. Um, first time here, though, that's a tough pill to swallow in this 6K range if you're going to do that, right? Again, if you're going below that and you're and you're bargain hunting for those guys who are below one percent, I'm just not on board. Uh, it's it's I don't want any of the old guys. It's they're they they can not win, right? Why why do you want to go that route? There's no way Fred Couples is going to win this weekend. He doesn't have the distance with the weather and the wet. It's just not going to happen. So, you know the old guys. I'm going to fade. I think a popular guy is going to be Justin Harding this week, especially in this price range. He he finished twelfth in 2019 and across the seas he's been making cuts he's been playing decent i wouldn't say he's been playing like elite golf like we've seen a lot of top 30s and everything of that nature from harding um but at 6300 he does save some salary for you guys to like pay ups elsewhere so i get the play i just i'm curious about the upside if he smashes though it's a huge leverage spot it's a huge leverage spot simply just because of ownership right he's only looking at about two percent ownership maybe less than that and then uh lastly jimmy walker jimmy walker has the course history here it's just uh, i'm not gonna buy it missed the cut at the houston open missed the cut at the shriners games way off and even the course history here at, at the masters really isn't that that interesting 38th 29th 18th 20th and, and 36th so um yeah that's it that'll do it for the mg and our breakdown of augusta national in the masters tournament oh you men are all alike seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag you better keep your mouth shut oh i think i love him so that's it it's over it's all over the masters tournament is here and this breakdown was money i want to give a special thanks to fanshare sports fantasy national and pga tour course i want to thank you the listener for spending your precious time with us that's who we do it for we do it for you guys man we do it for you guys I want to give a big shout out to my man zach manaford who hopefully will be back soon we miss you zach anyways guys crush let's crush this weekend gpps money 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 go and get them <laughs>